podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. If you could turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 through 33, we are going to be walking through another picture of the kingdom. Now, as you just saw in that screen that we, uh, that we just played, the, the pictures of all of that girl growing up, um, you know that when you're in the middle of growth, and you're in the middle of all this kind of growth, you want the next step. It seems like while things are growing, it could, it's so slow. It's so slow. And you always want the next phase of growth. You always want the next thing. And you're always waiting for that next thing. When, when are you going to finally be there? When are you going to arrive? When are you going to get into that next phase? And then when you look back on growth, you're like, wow, I've really grown or they've really grown and it went by so fast, just like you could see in that moment. And I, I think of all of the times that I've experienced that. When I'm in the middle of growth, it seems gro- slow, but when I'm on the other side of it, it seems fast and today we're going to go through the picture of the kingdom and it talks about growth the reason why we're calling this pictures of the kingdom is because we believe of what Jesus is doing here is painting a picture of what the kingdom is like that we need to see what the kingdom is like because it's so against everything we know it's so against our culture it's so against the way we see the kingdom of God and so it's important for Jesus through these pictures these pictures that are worth a thousand words to show us what his kingdom is like I really like pictures I talked about it last week and I'm afraid to give any illustrations because you all get ideas but it's all good I I will say this though Uh, one thing about pictures that I think although they are a powerful form of communication, the way that they have been extremely changed is a thing called Photoshop. I don't know if you've heard of Photoshop, but what Photoshop does is it takes a picture and it it changes that picture to make it more perfect. And although it's unrealistic, it makes it perfect. And so basically, if if they take a picture of of a girl, a a girl that could be really beautiful, they're going to go, we're going to find all the things that we don't think are beautiful, and we're going to erase that, and we're going to make this bigger, and we're going to make these uh, longer, and we're going to do this, and we're going to make her skinnier here, and we're going to take away this bump here, and we're going to make this curvy here, and they're going to change all of that, and they're going to take a woman as they are, and they're going to form them into something. Something else, and what ends up happening is, is they take these pictures and change them, and then people start having an ideal of what they should look like based upon a edited picture, something that's unrealistic, something that that person doesn't even look like. So girls are wanting to look like this, and and guys are wanting to have this, and there's this editing that takes place of our pictures. So we get unrealistic pictures in our head, or if you will, perfect pictures that aren't actually real. They're edited. We may not have Photoshop, but I will tell you this, even if we use our Instagram or even if we use and take pictures, we're always posing. You know what I mean? We're always posing for our pictures, and then when we take a bad one, we're like, take another one real quick. I didn't like how I was smiling. I was blinking there. And and we want our best picture to come forth. Why? Because we want everybody to see 
that all the time we are smiles and happy and fun and we're putting out there our best self. But the thing about pictures is there's not one picture that can actually capture the totality of your life. What I liked about the, the pictures that we were seeing of this, this time-lapsing of this girl is that if you noticed, there were times that she was crying, there was times that she was laughing, there was times that she was talking, a lot of times she was talking, you know. <laughs> she was constantly talking. And, and I'll tell you this, that I watched that over and over again this week, and the reason why I showed it today is because it just reminds me of what I see with my daughters most of the time, they're always talking. I mean, even if they're crying, they're talking. Even if they're laughing, they're, they're talking. And, and sometimes I don't even know what they're saying, but, but, but their mouth is moving. They're, they're talking nonstop. And you see this young girl, she's talking, she's laughing, she's crying. Her hair's up, her hair's down. All these kinds of things are changing. And, and when this stuff is changing, if you notice, even though it flow, fl- flows by fast, it wasn't all perfect. It wasn't all easy. Sometimes she was crying. Sometimes she looked like she had done her makeup and got ready. And other times it looked like her dad just threw her in front of the camera as she jumped out of the, you know, out of getting ready or out of bed. And the realities of this is our lives are filled with not just perfect moments. Our lives are filled with nonstop changing and It's not all smiles. Sometimes it's tears. And as we go through our lives and as we grow, what we have to understand is what we really want is to present these pictures of perfection. But what the kingdom is going to be presented as in this story is not a kingdom of perfection, a kingdom of growth. So, With your Bibles in hand, if you could stand with me, we're going to read Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to only read three verses today. And the reason why we stand is a very important reason, and that is because we want to respect God's Word. We want to remember as we are reading this, this is His Word. This is not my Word. This is God's Word. So let's keep that in mind as we read these precious words. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make its nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. God, I pray that you would give us word, give us ears to hear your word. And God, I pray that these truths would sink deep, that you would show us a picture of your kingdom, so much so that our hearts and minds would be changed by the reality of your gospel. Thank you for your word. We sit under it joyfully. We want to hear your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. What I love about these uh, parables is that he uses agriculture or he uses this picture of the ground. And out of the ground comes forth the kingdom of God. And why this is so beautiful to me is because if we look in Genesis chapter 3, we see that the ground is cursed. Because of sin, the ground is cursed and 
that sin is destroying all of creation. The Bible shows us that creation is groaning for God to come and and to reveal who His sons are and so that the world would be made new. And, And why this is important is because many people think that what God is going to do is that He's going to take all of His people out of this place and we're going to sit around the earth and kind of watch it be blown to smithereens. Because God is going to destroy this world and we're all going to get out of here. But the reality of what we see all throughout Scripture and what is so beautiful about this text is that God is going to take the ground that is cursed and He's going to bring forth His kingdom and this world is going to be renewed. And that this world is going to be made new and the people of God are going to live under His rule and reign and He's going to make all things right. But God is not abandoning His creation. The people of God are going to live in this new heavens and new earth. That God is bringing forth His kingdom from this cursed ground. He's making it all new. He hasn't and He will not abandon His creation. He's restoring it. But, how He does it is so different than the way the Jewish people could understand and, and the way that they had their mind set that the kingdom would be established They rejected it. These parables were were so against the way that they thought at this time, they rejected Jesus. Uh, Here's why it was different. The people of God in this time believed that God was going to send His King and He was going to come in. God was going to come forcefully. The Messiah was going to come and He was going to come forcefully and immediately and He was going to ride in and He was going to destroy all the enemies and He was going to establish His kingdom. He was going to come forcefully and immediately. What Jesus shows us here in this parable is that He doesn't come forcefully and immediately. He comes as a seed. He comes as leaven. So they could not receive the Messiah. They could not receive Christ because He didn't fit into the mindset in which they thought the Messiah would come. And many of us look back at that and go, oh man, they are so foolish. They missed out on Jesus. But the reality is, if we're honest, we want God to do the same thing. We want Him to work forcefully and immediately in our lives. We want Him to come and fix our problems, not over time, right away. And you got a lot of problems. And you want Him to deal with you with great force, and you want Him to come in and destroy your enemies. You're not His enemy, but you want Him to destroy your enemies. And you want Him to come in and establish His kingdom in your life. And you want Him to do it by force. To make you do the right thing. How many of us have gone, no matter how hard I try, I can't do the right thing. I wish God would just make me do what's right. Many of us, if we are honest, have doubted, dare I say rejected God, His kingdom and His work. Because it wasn't as fast as we wanted it to be. Because it wasn't immediate and because it wasn't forceful, we grew impatient 
and began to doubt him, his goodness, his kingdom, his work, his way. If we were honest, we have a hard time with the kingdom of God. Because it's not a kingdom of perfection. It will be. But it's a kingdom of growth. And that's hard for us to wrap our heads around. And here's the reason why. Not only do we want it immediate and forceful, we care more about the external than we do about the internal. Much of what we judge based upon whether people know or follow. Remember last week when we talked about how evil, the evil kingdom, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of heaven are growing alongside of each other and that we are not supposed to be the ones who judge which one it is because Jesus will sift this all out in the end. Why? Why? Because if we were left to judge, we would determine based upon external means rather than pure and right means. You see, this parable is clarifying and changing what people think about God, His kingdom, and His work. And much of His kingdom is so backwards to how we would do things, and it goes against all of our culture and and everything that we celebrate, that if we would stand bare before these parables and truly stand and listen to what it is, it would be hard for us to receive Jesus and His kingdom. Why? Because it doesn't fit into the way we want Him to work. I'm going to go through a couple of what I'll call obvious scriptural realities, and they'll be up there on the screen if we could go to that next slide. And and I want you to write these things down, and and hopefully we can see these things right there in the text, and then we're going to jump and, and apply it personally into our own lives. But the first thing I want us to see is this. Growth immediately looks small. Growth begins with the seed. So that's small, that's common, and it's insignificant. Isn't it amazing that when we think about growth, we don't immediately think of small, common, and insignificant. All of us say we want to grow, but what we mean is we want to grow doesn't mean we want to start the beginning with a seed. Small, common, insignificant. Isn't it amazing that the king came humbly as a baby? The seed, he lived simply. He lived a common life. He lived amongst his people. Just like the seed and just like the leaven, Jesus came into the world and came in common means. He came and was mixed into the whole lump, just like leaven. And this kingdom started small. The second thing we see is that growth starts beneath the surface. You see, a seed goes under the ground and it dies under the ground. A seed goes under the ground, and it dies, and then it brings forth the spout. And it takes years, depending on the kind of tree, depending on what it is, it takes years and years and years for it to grow. Anything that we think of in this world really begins and starts and grows 
beneath the surface. We're celebrating Mother's Day today, and isn't it interesting that human life begins as a seed and begins underneath the surface where you cannot see it growing in the womb. In the womb of a mother, you see this baby being formed. How do I know that much of the growth that takes place is under the surface? And how do I know that we reject growth that's under the surface? Because even today in our culture, a baby is not considered a baby until it comes out of the womb. And the growth that takes place in the womb is not actually considered life until it comes out of the womb. And that life can be, in many ways, destroyed. Why? Because we don't count internal growth. We count external growth. Growth is a long-term process. Growth is a long-term process. Oh, there are moments where we see, feel like we're growing faster, and there's moments we feel like we are not growing at all. But if we look at this parable, what do we see? We see the seed, and we see it starting, and then we see it coming to its final completion. But just like that, there is a process between that seed and when it is fully realized in which there is growth taking place. It's interesting that when we really think about growth, it takes a lot longer than we want it to take. And it seems a lot shorter when we look back on it. But it is, no matter how we look at it, it is a process. And it's a long-term process. What else do we see in this parable? That growth is becoming something. It's becoming something. And it's becoming larger. Growth is becoming large, established, and significant. What do we see? This seed is planted, and it's the smallest of seeds, and then it grows over time into a 12-foot tree, the biggest in the whole garden, so big that the birds of the air can come and rest in it. This Leaven gets into the dough and and it becomes 50 pounds of bread so big that it can feed hundreds. What we see is growth becomes large and it becomes significant. And what else happens? We see growth benefits all. Growth benefits all and growth serves others. When the seed goes under the ground, it does its work. When it comes forth... It benefits all around it. You can see, isn't it interesting that the birds come and nest in it and then leaven makes the whole lump rise. Isn't it interesting when you look throughout all of Scripture and you look at birds, they're always seen as evil things. Even in just a parable we had read before, the birds of the air come down and what do they do? They eat the seed off the hard soil. They're the evil things that destroy the seed. Yeast in Scripture is always looked at as sinful. Sin gets into our hearts like leaven and it causes us to change from the inside. Isn't it amazing that God takes these kind of pictures of sin and uses them to show us that sin and evil in many ways is very patiently changing us from the inside. Isn't it amazing that sin changes us 
from the inside out and it and it causes our whole life to change it's not um, it's it, it, it's it, it's it's interesting that we think that we just overnight sin but when we really look back over it it was growing in us festering in us it was taking over our lives what he shows us is this is that he takes these things these very means of growth and he establishes his kingdom through those means so much so that even the nations, even those that were rejected, even those that were far off can come and find safety and rest in the growth of His kingdom. I really love how we see these realities, but what I love about this is as we look at this, we can see what God's kingdom can do. The power of His kingdom, but then we can also see the process of His kingdom. Not only do we see how powerful His kingdom is, but we also see that this kingdom is constantly growing. There's a process to the life of a Christian and to the kingdom of God. If we look at how the kingdom of God has grown, it's amazing to me. It starts with Jesus who is this ultimate king. He is the all-powerful Holy One and that he comes as a seed into this world. And not only does he come as a seed into this world, he goes under the ground. He is buried into the ground. He dies, right? And this seed comes into this world and dies and he brings forth his kingdom through his people. And isn't it amazing that he starts with 12 disciples and then 3,000 are saved? And do you know now there's an estimated 2 billion followers of Christ across the nation, across all of this world? And over all of these centuries and generations, over these 2,000 years, God has been expanding and growing his kingdom, but many of us do not see it. Why? Because evil is growing just as rapidly around us, right next to us. Why? We saw that last week. It's growing together in the same field. What do we need to learn from this? What do we need to hear? And how do we apply these truths to our lives? Let's look at Colossians chapter 1. If you could turn in your Bibles there real quickly. I want to read this text that kind of jumped out to us as we were studying this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. What does he say? There's a hope that's laid up for us. That God has this great and glorious hope. And how has it come to us? It has come to us as a seed in the word, the, the gospel. And this gospel gets so deep into us, it's been laid up in us. This gospel hope, this work of what Christ has done, and this work of where God is taking us. This gospel word gets planted deep into our hearts. And look at what verse 6 says. It's come to you, as indeed to the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it always also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Here's what the gospel does. It's cast to the whole world. It gets deep into our hearts. The kingdom of God sinks in. And what it does is it goes deep inside of us. And it takes root. And what is it doing? It's causing us to grow in this very same way. 
Many of us, if we were honest, are not wanting God to come in and plant His kingdom and His word inside of us to change us, to make us new, and to produce in us and to grow in us and to produce in us what He's wanting. What we're wanting Him to do is come in forcefully, fix our problems, do His work, and stay on His throne and let us keep going on with our life. And the realities of what we expect from the kingdom of God, if we were honest, cause us to reject whether or not He is real and true. Why? Because we want it much quicker. We want it much force, more forcefully. And although growth is essential, we don't want to grow. We want perfection. It's amazing to me, and, and, and I, I, I like what God's doing in my life, but one thing, some of you don't know this, and some of you may have noticed it, and some of it because it's been a long process, and I know I have a long way to go, so I, in time, I have a hard time even saying this. Over about a year, or over a year, I've lost 60 pounds. Now, that's a big deal, but it took me a year, and so you've seen me withering away, and you're like, oh, there's some things changing, and I'm still working at it, and i got a long ways to go. You're like get back in the gym. I am. I'm there every day. But as friends of mine who've seen this happen, they ask the same question. What have you done? Uh, I'm trying to eat different. And I'm working out. Okay, but what have you done? Like, are you on a program? Are you, are you on a diet? What, what have you done? Why? Because they want the results, but they don't want process they want the results but they don't want the process listen I knew a long time ago what it took to lose weight but I didn't want to go through the process why because that mean work that meant time that meant I would have to go days and days and days wondering if all of this was really worth it because I've gone for weeks and nothing's changed and I've got on the scale and, and time and have gone up and down and then one day I get there and I've worked really hard and then I've gained weight. Listen, if I measured my success by moments, there would be moments of joy and there would be moments of sorrow. But if I measured it by the length of time, people would go, wow, how did you get there? Isn't it amazing when you see someone who's growing in Christ and you go to them and go, man, I wish I really could be like you. I mean, my life is so much different. You're really growing in Christ. How can I get to where you are? And, and many of them are like, man, God has graciously changed me. Well, show me what to do. And you, you follow him and they're just wanting to surrender his will and, and they, they're devouring his word and maybe just studying things here and there and they spend time in prayer asking God to help them. All these kinds of things like prayer and reading his word and living a life in community and they're like there's got to be an easier shorter way the realities are many of us know that anything that happens in the kingdom takes growth and time and the working of the spirit in our lives but if we were all honest we don't want that we want him to come in and change it now and get out of our lives and let us keep going. 
And what we see in this is that God starts and plants his work and that he faithfully stays with us and grows us and prunes us and what do we see that he is taking us as his people to a final destination where this is going to be beautiful and glorious and there's going to be a glorious kind of beautiful outward working so what can we learn from this couple of things and see on this next slide first is this no little people no little places basically saying do not despise small beginnings when you ask God to start a work in your life realize this where he's going to start is in your heart Number two, you have to understand that we need to start caring more about internal work than we care about external things. You want to know how God starts by changing us? He comes in through the gospel and changes our affections. What is the biggest problem with us, the Bible shows us, is our hearts. That's what's the biggest. You want to do everything you are doing. That's hard to swallow. Everything we do in our lives, we are wanting to do. And so God could come in and just say, stop doing this. And we just go, but I want to. So what is the greatest form of change is that God has to come into our hearts and change our want to. And establish His rule and reign in our hearts. You have to care more about internal transformation than you do about things you can brag about externally it's going to change your affections it's going to change your heart number three hear me on this this is difficult be patient be patient Let patience have its perfect work in your life. Wait on the Lord. Trust in Him. Here's what we have to understand. The Christian life, this may cause many of us to reject the kingdom of God, but the Christian life is a always growing life. It's an always growing life. Here's what it means. You're never fully there until that day when all things are new. We will be there. God promises that. But you are never fully there. Here's what that means. You happily are submitting your life to a king who calls us to always grow. Why is that so against religion? Because religion is the pronouncement of perfection. And the whitewashing of tombs trying to cover up the deadness inside. Religion is this. Look at all the power in my life. And this is why I really, I really have a hard time going to, to churches where all they do is paint on smiles and sing happy songs. And then everyone goes away and thinks that's what Christianity is. Clean, perfect, beautiful. But growth is messy and hard 
And that means God comes in and prunes. That means God comes in and cuts away things. That means you have seasons where everything grows and everybody's, wow, this is growing. And then he comes in and starts cutting away. That means God, as king, has not only committed to planting the seed, but he's committed to be the good gardener. He's not only committed to be your father and come in and have the baby, but he's committed to raise the baby. He's not going to just send child support. He's going to actively be involved in raising his child. Actively. And he's going to do it through his spirit. He's not going to walk away. God not only has planted the seed, he's committed to making sure it grows. And you want to know what that means? Non-stop discipline. How many of you know on Mother's Day, one of your biggest roles is no, 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 no. How many of you have ever had the conversation with your husband, I feel like I'm always saying no. That reality is, is only understood by those who are a part of raising a child. Why? Because you're committed to their growth. Here's the part we have to be okay with. That in the kingdom of God, when we're committed to growth rather than perfection, your commitment to your child's perfection will crush them. But your commitment to patient growth will see them fruitful and flourishing. If you self-righteously put on your child something that they have to grow into perfection, they will never be able to live up and they will run. But when they have a father or a mother who is patiently committed to growing with them and walking them down that path and patiently as God has done for them walking them through that, it's a whole other game. What do we see? Be patient. What's the fourth thing? Have hope. Have hope. What is that hope? God does not call us to dredge through life going, oh man, I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to do that. And I'm never going to pull. No, he calls us to through growth have a sight of where he's taking you. Why? Because if you lose sight of where he's taking you, you will lose hope in the midst of growth. Why? Because you get so wrapped up and nothing's changing, nothing's happening. Every You get wrapped up in the moments. You lose track of he's taking you somewhere. Have hope. Have hope in God. Have hope in his work. And have hope in that day where he's going to make all things new. And know that he is at work. Number five is this. Your growth is meant for the love of serving of other people do you know much of what God is doing and growing in you is meant to benefit others that others can come and take rest in seeing what God is doing in your life that others can feed off of and be served by that which is taking place in you church when we look at this it confronts our cultural realities as the band comes What we're going to do is take a moment to let these words sink into our hearts and respond to these words. Here's what I want to encourage you with. 
some of you are in the middle of growing. Or let me put it this way. All of you are, but some of you are aware of it. Some of us know that we are in the middle of growing and we lose sight of the fact that these moments, when you look back on them, will feel like they flew by. Hear me on this. If you get your head out of the moments and start looking at where God is taking you, then you will embrace these moments of growth and discipline and change. Why? Because God is patiently, graciously, causing you to grow. I love sitting with many of you in counseling moments and pastoral moments and reminding you that you feel like right now you are not growing but look at your life from the time you first heard the words of the kingdom and the gospel was planted in your heart. Look at who you were at that moment and look at who you are now and it is hard pressed for you to say God has not grown me. Why? Because he's done a work. Right now, you're having a hard time believing that. But listen to me. In a few years from now, you'll look back on that and go, wow. The other reality is this. Some of us are growing in sinful ways. And if that's what we see, there should be a deep conviction that we're a part of a different kingdom. It's not, I'm not saying we moments sin. I'm saying that we are growing in this flesh. And when we figure that out, what we're trying to do is go, how do I pluck those seeds so nobody will see that I'm growing in sinful ways? How do I pluck it out? How do I weed whack? How do I do that? And the reality is, the Bible says when you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap the things of the flesh. Well then, how do I stop sowing in the flesh? That's not the question. The question is, it's by the planting of the seeds of the Spirit that begin to overtake the sowing of the things in the flesh. You're wanting the big sweeping change of knocking down the weeds. And look, it looks beautiful, but the weeds are still under the surface. And what God is wanting to do is plant deeper, more lasting work. And it may take longer. You may not be able to brag about it. But he's going to come in and do such a deep, lasting work. It's weeding out, and rooting up. Today, what we need to do is not commit to perfection, but to process. Not commit to self-righteousness and boasting and look at how great we are, but what do we commit to? Growth. Why? Because He's growing in us. As Wayne comes, He's going to call us to respond to this truth. Hear me on this. Don't overlook this moment and don't reject the word of the kingdom because you want right now something immediately to take place when what God's wanting to do in us is begin to expose the things in our hearts. He wants to plant seeds of the Spirit within us. He wants to renew and plant and water. He wants to see those things. Trust Him. Respond. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truths of Your Gospel. We thank You, God, that all that you do is good, right, and perfect. And today we want to commit to being a part of your kingdom, to growing in truth, to growing in wisdom, to growing in serving others. In Jesus' name.